next episode. So happy to have you all here. I hope everyone's weeks were good and I have very exciting stuff to talk about today. So let's just get right into it. The Taylor Swift concert was amazing. It was so much fun. I We drove up there. It was like four hours from where we are to Tampa. And then I walked to the stadium. I got dropped off and I stood in a merch line for like an hour ish, maybe a little longer. It was a pretty short line compared to all the other lines, but it was still pretty long. I got a shirt. I wish I had gotten a bracelet, but for some reason I wasn't thinking and I didn't get a bracelet, but I really wanted one. I might just order one online from the merch store, but I don't know. Anyway, I was, it was just so fun. I got some water, went up to my seat, I listened to the openers, and I just had a great time, even like by myself. It was so much fun, and I'm kind of glad that I did it like I went by myself because I felt like I could be more of myself by myself. You know, like the people around me were total strangers, and I was never going to see them again. And I just, like, screamed and sang my heart out the entire night. I never sat down, and I just, I sang every song, and it was a blast. Like, I had so much fun going to this concert by myself. If you are nervous about going to a concert by yourself, don't be, because it was so much fun, and I would gladly go by myself again obviously like it's so fun to experience it with like your friends and stuff but I there was just something freeing about going by myself like I wouldn't have been able I wouldn't have felt like I could scream as loud or like act you know the the most excited that I was if somebody else had gone with me especially because like no one in my life likes Taylor Swift as much as I do and it just would have been um you know the energy I I was putting out a certain certain energy that I don't feel like my friends could could match I don't know maybe my sister would be the only other one but yeah it was so much fun this girl gave me a friendship bracelet as I was after the concert as I was like walking down the stairs she was like hey do you want a bracelet like a friendship bracelet and she gave me one and I love it and I wear it every day it was so cute and I I loved that I got a friendship bracelet and one of Taylor Swift's songs one of her lyrics is like so make the friendship bracelet, take the moment and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. And so now it's a thing to like make friendship bracelets before the concert and then you trade with people and people come home with like 20, 30 bracelets and even like the security guards, they had bracelets like all up and down their arms. It was so cute. And I, yeah, I just had a a blast my feet hurt so bad 
and uh, then we drove back four hours and we didn't get home until like 4.45 in the morning but it was it was so worth it like I was so happy my surprise songs every concert she sings after um the uh 1989 era she comes out and she sings two surprise songs that aren't on the set list that are different every night and you kind of it's like oh what do you think the surprise song is going to be tonight I don't know so for mine she sang Mad Woman from Folklore with Erin Desner who co-wrote the album with her and she also sang Mean from Speak Now, and I am so happy with those choices. Like, I I don't know what I was going to want or expect. Like, obviously, everybody wants Taylor Swift to sing, like, Long Live at their concert, but she hasn't done that yet. I think she's going to sing that maybe at the last concert of the tour. I don't know. Um... But yeah, everyone like has these certain songs that they want her to play. But like her singing a song from Folklore was perfect. I love that album. That's my favorite album. And then Mean, it just like fit like Mad Woman and Mean. They fit so well together. And I loved it. It was amazing. I just scream sang the entire time. And it was like one of the best nights of my life. And I will never forget it. And I'm, I'm so grateful and happy that I got to go. And I just, like, will never get over it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Now, let's move on into today's topic. So, Emily Henry is one of my favorite authors. She writes amazing contemporary romance and she is coming out with a new book this week and I wanted to give a review and kind of talk about her other three books that she has come out with and this will be a huge spoilers for her first three books so if you like are planning to read these books and you don't want to be spoiled then don't listen to this episode but if you don't really care, you've already read them or whatever, then good, because there will be heavy discussion and spoilers, and I'm excited. So yeah, okay, first what I'm currently reading is Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. I finished Kingdom of Ash, everyone. Round of applause. I know, I, I did it, I did it. Now I'm on to the first book in the Crescent City series by Sarah J. Mass. And I have this book to read and then two more and then I am done with Sarah J. Mass's big readathon. It has been great. I love Crescent City. This was one of my first fantasy books that I'd ever read. And it was maybe don't choose that book for your first fantasy book because it was a lot really quickly, even though it's a modern fantasy, like, there's modern technology and everything, um, it still, like, was confusing, and now that I'm rereading it, 
I've opened like in my notes app and I'm taking notes on certain things so I don't get confused because there's like some things in this book that are confusing. There's like these these characters that all have like these code names and they all start with an H, but they're all like on different sides of like this war and like it was confusing. There's like the harpy, the hammer, the hind, the like other H words. Like there was like five of them. And I remember reading like the first two books and I was like, wait, 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 who's the hammer again? Oh, wait, that's not. So I wrote in my notes app like the hammer is this person. He's on this side. The hind is this person. He's on this side. This one, we don't know, but he's on this side. And so, yeah, hopefully I won't get confused. If anyone wants that that notes, my notes thing, then let me know and I'll send it to you because I'm taking pretty thorough notes on this book series and I am really excited to finish it and finish the Sarah J. Mass and move on to other books. Um, but without further ado, let's get into Emily Henry. So the first book by Emily Henry that she, romance contemporary book that she came out with, is Beach Read. She published this in 2020. And so I think this came out during the, during or right before the pandemic. And it just like went viral and everybody loved it. I picked it up because I kept seeing it everywhere. This 2020 is when I really started my reading journey. I had read a lot in high school and stuff, but then I, I took a break when I went to college. I know I didn't read a lot of books in college. I didn't know what I wanted to read. I felt like a lot of young adult books were just the same, like same plot, same same thing over and over again and I was just kind of getting tired of it and I was tired of reading historical fiction because I just felt like it was just like sad after sad after sad so in 2020 I started reading again and I saw on Instagram a bunch of like the same books kept popping up one of them was Beach Read one of them was The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. One of them was Crescent City. And I started watching BookTube and I got some more inspiration from them. So Beach Read was one of the first contemporary romance books, adult romance books that I've ever read. I think I read The Unhoneymooners. I liked that. And then I read Beach Read right after it. And because it was so new to me, I like got those books confused for a long time. And but now I'm like, okay, the Unhoneymooners is this book, Beach Read is this book. And now like, you know, I'm more aware and I know. So yeah, Beach Read was the first Emily Henry book that I had read and it was one of the first romance books that I'd read. And this is like definitely a good book to read if you want to get into reading and you're not sure where to start. So uh, let's go through Beach Read. 
So first we have January Andrews, who is a famous romance writer, and she is going through a bit of a writer's block after the death of her father. And at the funeral, she meets this woman named Sonia, who was her father's mistress for like years. And she had no idea that he had been cheating on her mother the whole time. And the whole idea of her life has kind of shattered with this reveal. So now kind of homeless she doesn't know where to go she just broke up with her ex-boyfriend who couldn't really deal with her emotional fallout and everything Uh, she decides to go move to the lake house that her father like had as his secret like love house that he shared with his mistress and so January moves there to write she feels like it'll be a good place for her to finally gain some inspiration for her next book because she has kind of been jaded by the idea of love with what happens with her father after he dies and the way that her boyfriend broke up with her So she moves into this house and she kind of sees how her father lived this secret life without anyone knowing. And she finds these stack of letters to her that were written over the years. And she is very angry with her father, rightfully so. So she puts off reading anything and she just kind of spends some time in this house trying to brainstorm and find an inspiration and then we have Augustus Everett who is January's former college rival in college they would both compete for the same writing prizes and he would win and he also made fun of her upbeat writing and so she just felt like he just didn't get it and he was just a jerk He has commitment issues for real. Now he writes literary fiction and he lives in the house across the lake where January is staying. And Augustus is going through it as well. He learns that his ex, his wife leaves him for his brother and you know, he's going through it too. So he has really bad commitment issues and trust issues. And so they're both going through it. They're both stuck with writer's block. And when they notice each other living a, living right next to each other, they kind of, you know, get to talking. They kind of confide in each other. And they open up about their writer's block, and then they come up with a challenge. Gus will write the romance book, and January will write a literary fiction novel. And whoever's book gets the first sell wins. The loser has to help the other author promote their book. 
So they agree to also educate each other on their genres to kind of help each other out. So January takes Gus each time they go out. They go on these little like mini dates, these research dates. She kind of tells him like, okay, like this is what's romantic. This is what would make a woman kind of spoon. This is what you want in your book. This is the type of thing that would like the man in the book would do, the woman in the book would do, yada, yada. And Gus takes January on interviews and visits regarding a cult in the area called New Eden. And they just work together on these books. They start getting closer and closer. Um, January takes Gus to different places like the beach, the carnival. They have a rom-com movie marathon to kind of do research from there. And as they get to know each other, January kind of opens up to Gus about her life and the things that her family has gone through. She opens up things about her mom. Her mom was really sick growing up and about her father's betrayal of their family, how her ex treated her and Gus is really taken aback by how the how life has treated January and it hasn't been very good. And he kind of slowly opens up more about his father who was very abusive growing up and how his marriage went and how his marriage is going right now, which is not good because his wife is with his brother and or not his brother I'm sorry his best friend but he's like a brother I was kind of confused but it's his best friend not his brother that would be kind of messed up um but yeah and so as they get to know each other things start heating up romantically but January realizes she realizes that Gus has really really bad commitment issues and trust issues and she kind of confronts about his behavior and he then admits that he's been crazy about her since college and has just been really scared of his feelings because like everything is just kind of a mess right now so she's like oh my gosh that is so sweet I love that and then kind of the, you know, the third act conflict starts coming in. So basically, Gus's ex-wife comes back and her name is Naomi. She kind of wants to get back together with Gus. And then the mistress of January's father's mistress, that was a weird way to say it, she shows up demanding to talk to January. She explains how Walt was like her first boyfriend back in high school. They had initially like reconnected when January's parents were separated. They were going to get divorced and then January's father was going to marry Sonia. But then January's mom got cancer and so he decided to stay until she 
I think she passed away. I think, I don't remember if she gets better or if she also passes away. I can't remember. But basically, her father could never really get it together and kept things up with Sonia. And they had this secret house together. And so January finally decides to read all of these letters that he left her. And they kind of pull every they pull the picture together they help January kind of see where her father was coming from and even though like he wasn't such a great guy as she thought he was she can see his point of view I guess through these letters and then when Gus comes to her he tells her that his ex-wife split up with his best friend and wants to get back together but he knows he wants to be with January he doesn't want to be with his ex-wife anymore and so after all of this that was like such a major break like they both had some things that they needed to work through before they could finally come together and then in the epilogue nine months later the books are out she sees like the advanced reader's copy of his book and she opens it and he dedicated his book to her and so at this point he tell she tells him that she's in love with him and then they are together and at the very end they get engaged and i love this story i love so much Augustus is like the ultimate quote-unquote like book boyfriend and the quotes in this book are so like heartwarming and romantic and they just like really you really wish this is how men acted in real life than in a book you know what I mean men written by women are just a plus but this one like you you see the standard we are set at in this book augustus is so amazing he loves january and i love romance books that also deal with deeper issues like they had to deal with trust issues deal with death deal with like lies and betrayals that all kind of come back and so they're they're their own people they don't just exist to be together they exist by themselves but they together they make it better you know what i mean and so yeah that's beach read and it just sets like a precedent for how much better her her books get and i'm not saying like beach read is the least out of these three Beach Read is like a cult classic, and if you don't like Beach Read, then like there's something deeply wrong with you. Like that's the feelings about Beach Read. Um, I loved this book. I felt like I got confused because I had just read The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren, and I I don't know why I just got like the plots confused. They weren't similar at all. I just feel like because they were like both of these books were two of my first contemporary romance books. I just got confused. 
But anyway, Beach Read is such like top tier book. And honestly, all of her books, like they just, it's not like they get better and better. It's just that they, like they're all just so good. There's really no book that I didn't like. And next we have People We Meet on Vacation. Now, People We Meet on Vacation came out in 2021, and this was Emily Henry's second romantic book that she wrote. And this one is Friends, Two Estranged Friends, Two Lovers, and I loved this one. I thought this one was like, wow, I really love Emily Henry. Like, after this book... I I was afraid to read it because I didn't know if it would, like, live up to the hype. So you know how authors, like, they write one really great thing, but then nothing else can really top that? Well, I'm not saying that people we meet on vacation tops Beach Read, but, like, she she did good with, with people we meet on vacation. After I read this book, I was like, Emily Henry is one of my favorite authors. She's an auto-buy. I will buy all of her, but any of her books that she comes out with. And I love her. And so that's what this is. So first, we have Poppy and Alex. They met as freshmen in college. 12 years ago, they met. They ended up carpooling home because they lived in the same town and they became best friends and even though they're very different people poppy was she's very outgoing she's very lively she has a wild personality and alex is more reserved he's a little more quiet he likes his comfort zone and he basically just follows Poppy around wherever she goes. And their first vacation was during sophomore year in college. These They went to um, a vacation together over the summer. And while there, Poppy decided that she wanted to find a way to travel for a living. And Alex, who wanted to become a teacher offers to join her for trips during the summer while school's out. So it kind of jumps back from past to present. And in the the past, basically, they spend like five or six summers just traveling together. Poppy, they try to find, like Poppy's thing is affordable vacations and so they stay in pretty run down places you know they're just trying they're trying to save a buck so that's what they do but then as poppy gets more established in her career her vacations start to get more and more and more expensive and luxurious and they go to different places and alex is just kind of He's along for the ride, you know what I mean? But he kind of misses how it used to be. And something happened on one of these vacations that kind of broke them up for good. And they 
don't talk to each other for like six years. So in the present day, Poppy texts Alex to try and reconnect. Alex has plans to go to his younger brother's wedding in Palm Springs and invites Poppy to join him there. And so Poppy is trying to she wants one last chance to try and be friends with Alex because she misses him a lot. It's been years. They've barely spoken. They're not really friends anymore. She misses him a lot. So she convinces her boss to let her do a like cheap vacation sort of project in Palm Springs. And she uses this excuse to have one last vacation with Alex. And... So they decide to go on this vacation together. It's kind of awkward. They reunite in Palm Springs for the first time. And basically, Poppy pays for this trip out of pocket. But Alex thinks that he's she's letting the magazine like pay the bill. And so he's not really like about it that much he's kind of like oh okay you know this isn't really like how it used to be it's just made to seem that way and so they get to their little dump of a vacation home which is this little studio that has like zero air conditioning and they basically have to there's only like there's only one bed in this studio apartment but there's like a fold-out couch and so basically things start going wrong like Alex pulls his back on the pull-out couch the tire pops like they have some trouble and Poppy also keeps finding herself being attracted to Alex and then it keeps going back from past to present during different trips and why people they meet on their vacations, hence the title of the book, and they kind of, Poppy kind of realizes, like, wow, I really like Alex, and maybe I like him a little more than I should, but she doesn't really pursue it that much, and in the present day, it basically, um, they start to kind of There's like an attraction that they have for each other that they can't really help, especially because they've known each other for so long. They've been friends for so long and they might accidentally, but on this one hot summer day, it finally starts raining. Their air conditioning hasn't been working, so the rain is like a sweet relief and basically they profess their love for each other and they get a little spicy on the back deck and they have to go attend Alex's brother's wedding so they go but before they part they talk about how Poppy still doesn't know if like marriage and kids and stability like if that's something that she wants because she loves to travel and Alex tells her that she needs to figure that out if they ever go you know, further than this. And she realizes that 
She doesn't know what she wants, but Alex knows that he wants her. He wants a family. He wants a house. But Poppy doesn't know if she's ready for that yet. So anyways, at this wedding, she ends up deciding to go to therapy for a while to try and figure out what she wants. And eventually she goes back this is after the vacation she goes back to her hometown where alex is teaching and she tells she basically opens up to to him about how she felt growing up how she felt so lonely living at home and she thought that meeting different people on her travels would make her feel less lonely but as it turns out that she only feels really alone when she's no longer with Alex. So she basically tells him that she loves him and he loves her back. The third act conflict in this book was the summer that they stopped going on vacations together. What happened was they, Poppy told Alex that she loved him and they kind of got a little frisky but then Alex broke it off and he said I can't do this with you because I don't know if you you and I don't want the same things and I don't want to torture ourselves with the idea of being together when we when we shouldn't be together and so they they break off and that's why they hadn't spoken in so long and I feel like I rem- if I remember correctly, Alex has this like long-term girlfriend back home while they're on this like break and so he breaks up with her obviously to be with Poppy. And Poppy is ready to commit to Alex and just be okay with, you know, how things are. And I definitely like This one, I feel like, was people's least favorite because I feel like Friends to Lovers isn't very popular, but I really liked it. I liked the, like, wild girl um, type of thing, like, wild girl, more reserved boy, like, that isn't as much of of a thing to read about in books. I feel like I feel like it's usually the other way around where like the guy he need he's trying to be he's all wild and whatever and she is like oh, I'm going to like change you and have you like settle down I'm going to be the girl to make you want to settle down. But this was like the opposite way and I I mean I'm more of an Alex than a Poppy. I'm more reserved. I'm a homebody. But I can also you know, relate to Poppy with wanting to just see the world and, like, you know, be away from home and just see what else is out there. But this one, I I really liked the past and present timelines. I feel like that, it, I feel like it can work and really good or it won't work very good. But I I really liked the way that this was done, and I felt like, you know, it made sense. The story still flowed pretty well, and you're trying to figure out, like, what happened that one summer that made them not want to be friends anymore, and then you find out, 
and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. And then, you know, things progress from there. But yeah, I liked this book a lot. And now we're going to talk about my favorite Emily Henry book. Okay, so Book Lovers by Emily Henry was published in 2022. And I remember being so excited for this book. I went and got it the day it was released and I read it immediately and it was amazing. I think I read it in like two days. And this is my favorite Emily Henry book so far. I felt like I related to the main character of this book a lot. And this one, you know, this one was for the big sisters of the world. So first we have Nora Stevens. She is a literary agent in New York. It's funny how like self-aware this book is because in the very beginning it talks about like Hallmark movies and how the cutthroat New York like lawyer will come to some little town in the middle of nowhere and be like oh I'm turning this place into a mall or whatever and then he ends up like meeting the daughter of a baker and like the town's baker and basically falls in love and he turns into a baker and lives happily ever after and then leaves his like you know a uh, girlfriend who his cutthroat girlfriend who was also a lawyer back in New York and she's like hello what about our deal what about us and he's like well, you're mean, and I don't like you anymore, and I just want to be a Christmas tree farmer for the rest of my life, so yeah, that's basically, Nora is the girlfriend in New York who gets broken up with and left by these small town people, so she has definitely been going through it. Her younger sister, Libby, is a mom, she is almost due for like another pregnancy and she wants, she begs Nora to go to this small town called Sunshine Falls and spend the entirety of the summer there. And so they go together. Back home in New York is Charlie Lastra, and he is a book editor that has met with Nora on a couple of occasions, and they don't get along very well. You know, they're both very cutthroat, both very career-oriented people, and Nora is kind of no-nonsense. She had to basically raise her younger sister Libby especially after their single mother died when Libby was still in high school and so Nora has basically been trying to make sure that Libby is provided for that she is happy and now that they are adults and that Libby is married and has kids of her own Nora kind of feels out of place but she also knows that her sister still needs her and so they go to Sunshine Falls, and while they're at this little bar place, and they, Nora runs into Charlie, 
like coming out of the bathroom. And as it turns out, he also happens to like the chances of seeing him at this random little dingy diner slash bar in this small town who is like states away from New York were very slim. But it turns out that Charlie's parents lives here in Sunshine Falls and runs the local bookstore. And Charlie is in town trying to help out his parents. And he's kind of like moved down here permanently. So they end up editing a book written by one of Nora's clients together while they're there. And as they work together, Charlie helps Nora to be considered for an editor position, which she's been trying to get. She, which, um, like is the job Nora was trying to get instead of being an agent, but she was just, you know, trying to get into the field. So she took this literary agent job and she really wants to be an editor like Charlie. So she and Libby decide that they need a project and they help Charlie's parents with the bookstore. They're helping modernize it a little bit give it a fresh coat of paints and everything and they only have until the end of the month to finish before they have to go back home because Libby is really close to her due date and um Nora is trying to figure out like why all of the sudden Libby has decided to go on a whim to this place And she's trying to figure it out. She originally thinks that Libby is trying to leave her husband for some reason. And so she's kind of angry at Libby's husband. She's kind of angry with Libby for not opening up about it to anyone. And she and Charlie are falling for each other. He is planning on staying in Sunshine Falls to help out with his family since his father is in poor health and he tells Nora this and Nora who doesn't want to stay feels like a long distance relationship would be really hard so a lot of these things that usually she has so much control over her life things start spiraling spiraling out of control and she can't really decide what's happening like she is falling for Charlie but then she's immediately losing him She's trying to figure out what's going on with her sister, and she doesn't really know what to do. She's trying to be there for everyone. She's trying to be there for her clients because she still has a job to do, and things are going left, right, forwards, backwards, upside down, inside out. Like They are not going well for Nora. She just feels pulled in a million different directions, and she is just feeling distraught. But Libby finally opens up to her and tells her that, no, me and and my husband are fine. Actually, we're planning on moving to Sunshine Falls, and this trip was initially meant to convince Nora that she could move here as well, and it would be fine. But Libby instead ends up encouraging Nora to pursue her dreams of being a book editor in New York instead. 
She doesn't want Nora to make any more sacrifices for her. She basically tells Nora, I'm fine. I am a mother of my own. You've taken care of me for so long. You've always been there for me, even when our mom was not. And now that she's gone, you've stepped up and now it's your turn to do what you want with your life instead of trying to make sure that everybody else is doing what they need to be doing. And so the trip ends and Nora returns to New York. But a few months later, Charlie reveals that Libby has offered to take over running the bookstore and his father is doing better. So he comes back to New York and basically the book ends with him proposing to Nora. And I the the thing I loved so much about this book was because of the banter between Charlie and Nora. Like it was so witty their back and forth banter. Like for somebody to not only think of a clever thing to say, but then like, you know, you never think of a clever thing to say back to them until like three days later you're in the shower and you're like, oh man I should have said that instead. And, um, but like this book, I don't know, like Emily Henry is just like, she's very quick witted. And I just thought this book was like laugh out loud funny with some things that Charlie and Nora would say to each other. And I also just loved like the romance between Charlie and Nora, but I also loved the relationship that Nora had with her sister and just like the protectiveness she has over her, I, you know, I relate to the, to the whole big sister thing. I felt very seen in Nora's personality, not necessarily with like, you know, the control or like the career wise thing, but like just wanting the best for your sister and trying to protect her and yada yada um but yeah book lovers was my favorite I love book lovers with all my heart Emily Henry has such a special place in my heart and I want to share with you happy place this is the book that it's is coming out in a few days it's is definitely man it seems like such a good book and I can't wait to read it and tell you guys about it but here's the little synopsis for it it says Harriet and Wynne have been the perfect couple since they met in college they go together like salt and pepper honey and tea except now for reasons they're still not discussing they don't they broke up six months ago and still haven't told their best friends which is how they find themselves sharing a bedroom at the Maine cottage, like in the state Maine, that has been their friend group's yearly getaway for the last decade. Their annual respite from the world where one vibrant blue week they leave behind their daily lives, have copious amounts of cheese, wine, and seafood, and soak up the salty coastal air with the people who understand them the most. Only this year, Harriet and Wynne are lying through their teeth while trying not to notice how desperately they still want each other. 
Because the cottage is for sale and this is the last week they'll have together in this place, they can't stand to break their friends' hearts, so they they pretend to still date Harriet and will be driven will be the driven surgical re- residence. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Who never starts a fight and when will be the laid back charmer who never lets the cracks show. It's a flawless plan if you look at it from a great distance and through a pair of sunscreen smeared sunglasses. That is hilarious. After years of being in love, how hard can it be to fake it for one week in front of those who know you best? Wow. I cannot wait to read that. Fake dating is one of my favorite tropes besides marriage of convenience. I'm very excited. Very ready. Love it. Well, that is it for today. Thank you so much for coming to my library. I can't wait to tell you how I felt about this book. I will try to read it before the end of April so that it can be in my April wrap-up. And yeah, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye!